All right, we're about to get into the word for today. Uh, if you have a Bible, uh, do me a favor and turn with me to Luke 10, uh, 38 through 42. Luke 10, the Gospel of Luke, uh, it's in the New Testament, uh, chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. And I'll be reading it. It'll be on the screens to my side if you uh, don't have a Bible. And this is a new international version, just in case you have a different one. It says this, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried about, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Let me pray for us before we get into today. Heavenly Father, um, as Lester comes up to talk about your word, Father, would you open up our hearts and our, and our minds and our ears and our eyes to hear what you have to tell us. We ask this in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. Uh, good morning. My name is Lester. I'm one of the pastors here at Renaissance, and I'm happy to be here this morning with you. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. I hope you guys had a, a good time, just uh, spending time with family and friends. Uh, this time of the year is an interesting year for us, uh, for me, because um, I feel like there's, there's, there's two conflicting ideas that are, you know, this time of year. One is uh, as we just as we just heard and, and as we're going to probably sing and as we hear on the radio over and over again, it's about the coming of Jesus, about Christmas, about his birth, about God's greatest gift to us. And at the same time, it's about getting gifts uh, and, and shopping. And it's like these two competing ideas, and sometimes it can get really confusing. And as a kid, it gets super confusing. As a child, I thought of Christmas as I love Christmas because basically it represented free gifts. I make up a list. Uh, I don't have to check it twice. I just make up a list, and somehow, magically, the next morning, I wake up, uh, and presents are there. And it was it was a really fun, sometimes, <laughs> time of the year, I guess, depending if you got your wish list or not. Uh, but as the year has gone by, and as I've gotten older, and, I, and, and as a Christian, I've understood uh, the significance of this time of year, uh, it changed. It changes. Like, I don't have a wish list anymore. I don't pretend, there's no any kids in here? Oh, okay, I want to talk about Santa, but, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that figure is completely different for me now, and <laughs> for those of you who believe in Santa, um, more power to you, enjoy the, enjoy the season, um, but for me, the, it, the, the tone has changed, and as we sang about um, Emmanuel, I love Christmas, and as I got to know, I realize the significance of it. It's uh, I, as, uh, I see Christmas and Easter as the two greatest moments in hi human history where God intervenes in such a way that the course of human history has changed forever. The course of my life, my history has changed forever. And so these two moments are amazing moments for me. And I'm still unpacking and, and learning what the significance that it is that Jesus is Emmanuel. And... But this, this time of the year, is, it's really hectic. It's really busy. I mean, we celebrate Thanksgiving with friends and family. We're so busy getting ready to cook. And I don't know how many posts and Instagram pictures I've seen of food. And everyone's like, 
and it just it, it became a measure of like how much we can squeeze on onto a table more than anything else. And, and then right after it is uh, actually not even that not not even the day after. Now uh, the Black Friday sale starts on Christmas evening. I mean Thanksgiving evening. Right? You don't have to even wait the next day. It starts Thanksgiving after you finish your dinner. You can now go to Target or wherever. Uh, so all these things have changed and. I think what's necessary for us as we look at the story about Mary and Martha, which is familiar for, for some of us, is that if we're not careful, we can lose sight on what the, the meaning of the season is. Um, it's kind of like being in water. Like, if you're not careful, uh, you get caught. If you've ever been to the beach, the dangers of the beach and the beauty of the beach is if you go out to the water a little bit too far, there's something called a riptide that if you're not careful, it'll pull you out if you're not careful about it. And if you don't know how to get out of it, you just get pulled up further and further into the ocean. And for us, it's, it's, we need to be able to discern and to, to kind of figure out, like, how do we make sense of this time of year? Because if you listen to one, it's about, it's about Jesus. If you listen to another voice, it's about shopping and just getting lots of sales. Um, so I want to look at uh, three things today. When we look at the story of Martha, we're looking at the need to take time out, take a pause to, to rest, the need to take a time out to not get distracted, the need to take a time out to recenter our lives on what really matters. So let's look at the first thing first, taking time out to rest. In verse 38, it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So the Bible is teaching us, uh, as you read the gospel stories, that Jesus, uh, ever since he was baptized by John the Baptist, has been on the go. He's been working pretty much nonstop. He goes from village to village, speaking to crowds of people, healing them, speaking to them, spending time with them, ministering to them. And so he's just constantly on the go. And, but, he, but despite his busy schedule, the Bible does teach us that he does rest from his travels. And usually it's either in the morning or in someone's home. He takes, he takes kind of a break from his, his, uh, his, his work. And when he rested, but the thing, that, the thing to note about his rest is that he always spent it with connecting, reconnecting, and communing with, his, with God, his Father, and or spending in people's home talking about God, the Father. That's how he spent his time of rest. And the idea of rest, if you think about it, is to, you know, regain strength to get back to work. The idea of rest is not not working anymore any longer. The idea of rest or his rest was just to kind of, kind of take a break to regain strength to get back to work. And it's important for us, to, you know, to, it's important for all of us to, take, to rest, to recuperate, take a break, and just pause because we need it because we can't continue to go on for hours upon hours. We just, we just can't run nonstop. We need to take a break. But here's the difference. Sometimes, you know, like, sometimes for us, for us to come to realize what rest is, that real rest and recovery doesn't come from ignoring our problems, ignoring our responsibilities, or, you know, or the things that, you know, are in front of us. Real rest doesn't come from that. That's just denial, right? We need to Understand the difference between rest and denial. Denial is like you just don't want to deal with, you and I don't want to deal with our responsibilities, our problems, our situations. So we just don't want to even think about it anymore. So we'll just veg in front of the TV, which is fine. 
We'll, you know, we'll have breaks. We'll go out. We'll do watch a movie. We'll do something else. We just don't want to think about it. That's not rest. That's just denial. Rest is taking a break, taking a step back, taking a time out in our lives to kind of gather our strength so that we can face our responsibilities, our problems, our situation. That's what real rest is, is supposed to be. And so um, peace and found is not, is not going to be found by ignoring our life, our responsibility. But peace is found when you and I know how to, li- how to live our lives, take care of our problems, and address our responsibilities. That's where real rest comes from. And so in, this, in these uh, two verses in the beginning, Jesus takes a break, talks about God the Father, his teaching. And in verse 39, we see an example of what it means to rest. We see Mary, who's sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to every word he has to say. See, I think it's a, this is an important lesson for us because, like, here on Sunday, which I'm glad if you're able to make it out, I'm so glad you're here. On Sunday, God, hearing God's word, hearing God's direct voice, hearing, hearing his scripture is for us a rest for us to prepare us for this upcoming week. The Sabbath that God gives us, it's a rest for his people to take a break from work, to understand that it's not up to us to survive, that we can actually take a break, not work, and life and the world still goes on. And to now be able to rest and say, okay, and focus once again with God and say, okay, God, help me to rest so I can face my week in front of me. That's what rest is supposed to, that's what Sunday is built for, for us to stop thinking about ourselves, to take a break, to time out, to recover to face the day that's coming out in front of us. And so here is Mary sitting at his feet, listening to every word that he has to say because she understands that I need to hear from him. I need him to teach me because I know the minute he leaves my house, my world and my life restarts. So in the meantime, let me learn from him everything I can learn from him. Let me let, let, me let him teach me what I need to know so that when he does leave, I can face whatever I have to go back to. And that's something you and I need, need to take a time out. We need to take a time out, read God's word, pray, kind of reset ourselves so that we can face whatever we're going to face, even as we walk out of these doors in about half an hour. We also need to take a time out not to get distracted. It's so easy for us to get distracted. In verse 40, it says, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care? that my sister has left me to do work by myself, tell her to help me. Tell her to help me. See, Martha is doing a good thing. She, she invited Jesus into her house, so she, as a host, should take care of these kind of things. You know, take care of the food preparation, take care of the seating, take care of whatever needs to be, because she's a host, and Jesus is her guest. So these are good things that, Jesus, that Martha is taking care of. And if you think about timeouts in, in our situation, think of, think of the word timeout. Usually you hear in sports or when kids play in the playground, timeouts. Or maybe you used it to, to say to your friend, hey, hey, hey hold on, timeout, timeout. Let, let me get what you're saying. It's, it's to kind of take a break, take a step back to kind of assess what's going on because now we're getting distracted or now we don't get it. And timeouts are used especially in sports because a coach will call a timeout because their team is being completely dominated or overrun, and they need to take a pause because they need to say, we need to regather ourselves because we're getting overwhelmed. Because if you don't take a timeout, you're going to get distracted. See, uh, you know, 
I think I when I think of this when I think of this idea of taking a time out not to get distracted, I think of um, you know when my wife and I we were on our honeymoon in Hawaii. There's a there's a we were in, we were on the island of Maui and there's a road called the Hana Road. It's like 64 miles, and it takes like three hours to get through. I've been driving almost all my life. When I saw 64 miles, three hours, I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. If I drive 60 miles an hour, I should get there in one hour. Why does 60 miles equal three hours? The logical side of me was going kind of crazy and nuts because I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. That looks like the most inefficient, longest, dumbest way to go about things. But the road is built so you can kind of make stops and enjoy the, enjoy the different sights and things. But for me, in my mind, all I, all I could think of was, is 64 miles, three hours. And it was driving me crazy. And I ruined that part of our, <laughs> our honeymoon because uh, every, time we, every time my wife was like, hey, we should stop by here, I would say, like, oh, we can't pull over. There's other cars. We'll go to the next one. And we were like, oh, there's another stop. Oh, we should go here. I'm like, oh, there's, I, I can't park anywhere. I can't park on this road. We'll go to the next one. And before I knew it, I spent three hours getting to the end. And we missed kind of all the stops. And I missed the point. I needed someone to kind of slap me on the side of the head and be like, what are you doing? You're missing the point. You're completely distracted. You're losing the whole point of what this whole road tour is all about. This three hours of like winding and turning is to enjoy all the sights and scenes, not just to get from point A to point B. But if you're like me, what will happen is life will happen. Responsibilities will happen. Problems will happen. And you just see the end, you're like, I just have to get there and get that done. Or you're just so overwhelmed, you don't know what to do. And you need a timeout because if you, and you get the, the dangers of distractions is, Phil Reich in his commentary says, the Greek word for distraction is um, perispao, which means to get dragged away. And the implication is that Mary is trying to do one thing or wants to do one thing, but ends up getting pulled away from it and doing something else. That's the idea of distractions. And he says, here's the danger of distractions. The, the, idea, the danger of distractions is that distractions lead to self-pity. Self-pity leads to resentment. Resentment leads to some, blaming someone. Distractions lead to self-pity. Self-pity leads to distractions. I mean, sorry, to, to, um, to resentment. And resentment leads to blame. I think about, you know, for many of us, if you had a great Thanksgiving time with your family and friends, you had... Your stomach was full of good food. You spent hours with good friends and family. You're in a really good mood, really good. You're in a good, happy place, depending on maybe what you ate. And maybe we had this, we had this argument between if, you're, uh, if it should be uh, pumpkin pie or pecan pie or whatever, whatever you ate, right? So you're in a good place. But I'm going to guess that no matter what good place you were in, maybe you thought, ah, you know what? Uh, in about an hour, Target's going to open up, or Best Buy's going to open up, or some other store's going to open up. And this is a perfect time to buy gifts for my family and my friends. And you start going through a list, and you think of, like, yeah, you know, because I love this. I love her a little more than him. I'll buy this. You know, oh, that friend's been really good, so I'm going to buy him this. You're in a really good mood, and then you go shopping, and you're no longer in a good mood. <laughs> you're standing on a long line. You know, and the person in front of you has like 50 items, and half the items don't have price tags, so they have to keep rechecking it, price check. And on top of that, to make it even worse, they decided they wanted to save 10% by opening up a credit card line that moment. 
And so you have to wait another 20 minutes for them to finish their application. And by the time you're done shopping, you're not in a good place, in a good mood, or you don't have any loving thoughts for the presents you bought that someone. You just think you're just in a bad place, you're angry, and all you can think is they better appreciate what I got them, what I have to go through. You got distracted. You got distracted. You and I got distracted. And I'm sorry, no matter what present you give me, even if it's the one I want, if you give it to me with that attitude, I don't actually want it anymore. Right? It's like, here, do you know what I went through? Enjoy it. I love you. Right? You're like, thanks. <laughs> thanks. See, Martha's doing a good thing. And I'm not saying don't go shopping. I'm not saying don't buy these things. But the problem is, when you get distracted, if you don't take a pause out and realize and remember what you're doing it for or who you're doing it for, you end up in a completely different place for completely different reasons. And they're usually not for the good things anymore. And so you and I need to take a pause, take a time out, so that we don't get distracted. Because sometimes we think that we'll roll into the season, we'll roll into you know, church, we'll roll into our, you know, our, our life with God, and we think we'll get distracted by life, by problems, by situations and responsibilities. And, we, and we, then we, we totally lose sight of the gospel, about how a God, God loves undeserving people. And we'll lose sight of it because now we make this list. And the story of, there's a parable of the young rich ruler a few chapters later on. Where this young rich ruler goes to Jesus and goes, good teacher, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus says, well, don't commit adultery, don't murder, honor your father and mother. And he goes, I've done all these things. I've done these things. And Jesus looks at him with love and says, but you lack one thing. You lack one thing. Sell everything you have, give to the poor and follow me. And he couldn't do it. In his mind, he says, he looks at Jesus and says, what do I do, what do I have to do to be saved? What do, I have, what do I have to do to have eternal life? And in his mind, he thought with God, it's a list of things, a to-do list. Don't do this, do this, don't do that, but do that. And he goes, I did it. And Jesus throws this complete different thing at him, and he goes, I can't do that. Because in his mind, he thought, this is who God is, this is how, this is how our relationship works, and it's not that. There was a story uh, I read, uh, I think during Halloween, where um, this guy, I think this person was interviewing this child, and they're asking, what do you want to be for Halloween? And the kid goes, I want to be an iPhone, right? I don't know what model. It doesn't matter, right? I want to be an iPhone. And then uh, the person asks, well, why do you want to be an iPhone? And the child answers, because my parents look at it all the time. And in, his, and, in his, and in his child's mind, he said, he, he or she was thinking, I want to be the one, I want to be the thing that my parents really care about and pay attention to. And see, the, the thing for us, I mean, and, I, and for as parents, and I think I, and I could be guilty of that as well, is we can, we can get distracted and think, well, what do I need to do as a parent? I need to put food on the table, take care of them, clothe them, teach them, do all these things. That's my job as a parent. That's, a, that's just a to-do list. A parent, a parent, being a parent, being a friend, being a loved one, it's much more than that. Could you imagine having a friendship where, like, I'm friends with you, right? I showed up for your birthday, right? I, uh, I know when you get sick, I'll send a card, 
And then you just go through a formula of things you have to do, and you're like, oh, gee, thanks, I guess. And then then the person asks you, what more do you want from me? I show up. I buy a present. And even on Christmas, I I stood in that long line, (laughs) and, you know, and I got you a present. What more do you want from me? See, if we're not careful, we get distracted, and we take what we, how we basically understand the season to be or what this is about, and we, and we don't realize um, what a relationship with God is all about. It's not about a to-do list. It's not about these things. And honestly, it's not even about you, because what happened with Martha is, Jesus, look, I'm doing all these things for you. I'm taking care of this house. Look at Mary. I'm doing all these things for you. Take care of these things. Tell her to help me. Now this thing has no longer became, Martha's interest is no longer about Jesus and being a good host. Martha is now interested just in herself and how it's affecting her. And so if you and I are not careful, that's what will happen in our lives as well. We need to take a time out to step back and understand. Otherwise, we're going to get distracted. We're going to get dragged away into a situation, into a place we don't need to be or should be in. And it's not helpful. Lastly, we need a time out. We need to take a break to recenter our lives on what really matters. In verse 41, he says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. I love how Jesus is gentle about this. He's gentle to us. He tells Mary, or he tells Martha, 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 gently. And he rebukes, he corrects her gently. He says, I know you care about me. And I think Jesus understands that Martha doing things is her way of showing her care and love and devotion to Jesus. Jesus understands that. But just doing that, she goes, but you're, you're, you're losing sight of something. You're going the wrong way. You're missing out. Jesus speaks to her, and he understands, like, look, I know you're doing this, but let me correct you because you're missing, you're, you're missing out on the point of this relationship. See, you and I can be busy and be, and be very active in our lives and not necessarily be productive. It's possible to be very busy, be very active in our lives, and yet at the same time not be productive at all. It's like uh, being in a boat with one oar. And you're just rowing one side. And you could be like rowing like crazy. Yeah, you're being busy. Yeah, you're being active. Yeah, you, but you ain't going anywhere. In fact, you're just going in circles. And the more you do it, the more you just wear yourself out. And actually, the, the more foolish you look. You're not getting anywhere. See, with us, I think in our, in our, in our, in our walk with God, I think we need to recenter our lives. Just like we went through the Lord's Prayer, and it was kind of... The beginning part is about elevating God, and the latter half is about us kind of getting a little bit lower and lower and depending upon God. You know, the first half of the Lord's Prayer is, is acknowledging and recognizing that, God, you are in control. It's all about you. And the second half is, but, and I need you to help me in this. It's kind of like a surrender. You realize, I need you to feed me. I need you to forgive me. I need you to help me to forgive others. I need you to help me get out of temptations and from the evil one. I need you, I need you, I need you. And so, this reset, this taking this time out is to help us recenter and saying, Jesus saying, Martha, Martha, or just fill in your name. You know, say it, you hear it saying your name twice. 
I know these things. I know your heart. I know you want to do good things. I know your intentions. But if you're not careful, you're missing out on what really is important, and that's my relationship with you. So there was, let me give you um, another illustration. There was was an illustration um, I saw on Facebook, and I don't know where, but um, there was an interview between parents and their children, and young children. Not teenage kids, because that answer might be different, but just young kids. So the parents were asked, if you could have dinner with anybody, who would it be? And the parents started naming celebrities like Oprah and Bono. I don't know, not Tom Brady, uh, and everyone else. Right? And then, and then, so they, they gave all their answers, and it was mostly just celebrities and famous people. It wasn't even they didn't even answer. I want to have dinner with my even my spouse. It was just I want to have a <laughs> a meal with a celebrity. And then the person the, the interviewer asked uh, the kids, their kids, if you could have dinner with anybody. Who would you have dinner with? The kids. You know what the kids answered? My parents. My parents. And the parents were watching this interview and they were like, they were shocked. They were rebuked. They were stunned and they were humbled. Because they kind of missed out on the kind of the whole like the relationship dynamic. Kids want, we want in a relationship, not necessarily all the things but the relationship, right? You and I have been in enough relationships where someone might have been giving us things or doing stuff for us, but that's fun in the beginning. But if that person doesn't care about you or love you or want to be with you, you don't want to be in that relationship anymore. You and I have been in enough relationship in our lives to know that truth, right? It could be fun in the beginning when they get you all these things and do all these things for you. That's fun. But if they don't care about you, or want to be with you, you don't want to be there. And Jesus is helping us recenter and saying, Martha, Martha, look, you're, you're, you're worried about a lot of things, and the things you're worried about, they're valid. Taking care of your bills, going to work, finding a job, taking care of your kids, trying to find the love of your life. Those are good things to be worried about. But the one thing you lack, one thing you're, you're missing on which Mary has is out of all those things, the one thing you cannot do without is me. The one thing you cannot do without in this life is me. And I, and I think you, need, you and I need to hear the gentleness of Jesus' voice saying, look, I know these things worry you. I know these things are important to you. And they matter. But what you're missing out is that those things that you're worried about, those things you're, you have responsibilities for, those mouths you have to feed, you're missing out on these things. And, and as, we sang, as, they, as we heard them singing about Emmanuel, in those situations, I'm with you. In that problem, I'm with you. In your job, I'm with you. In your friendships, I'm with you. In those struggles and problems and heartaches, I'm with you. I'm with you. If I take those things away, it's not going to enrich in your life. But if you put me in your life, I will enrich in all those things in your life. See, for us, what we need is more of Jesus. And Phil Rackin says this. He says, for the Mary and Martha's, whichever camp you're in, 
Maybe you're very good at better being married than you are better being a Martha. You're better being a Martha than being a, being, than being a Mary. He says, for whichever, whichever side you're on, he says, it, what's necessary for each one, of, each one of us, it's not necessarily to serve God, but to be served by him. It's not so much important what you can do for God as opposed to resting on what he's done for you. See, in my relationship with my kids, what they can do is not much, honestly. They're eight and they're seven, and I love them, and I will gladly die, and I will even more so live for them. But honestly, what they bring to the table is not much. And if any money they have, I probably gave it to them. (laughs) And so it's not what they do for me that impacts their life, but them resting on who I am to them as their loving father. And as a parent, as a loving parent, you are to your kids or to your friends. That is what you rest upon. That is what makes an impact in your life, not so much what you do. And so, and this principle is being taught, and we talked about discipleship. You and I need to learn, unlearn, and relearn what it means to live with and for God. And the truth is, it's a lot less about you and I and what you can do. And it has everything to do with what Jesus has done for us. That's why when we take part of communion, even the communion, Jesus, the master, is feeding his disciples. I am preparing the meal for you so you can feed. I am dying on the cross for you so that you can live. You don't do anything. Just accept it. Believe it. Live in it. Understand this is the relationship that we have. Let me, let me just close here. For the gospel, so this is what we need to, to just rest in. We need to rest and take a break and understand how to rest in these things. We need to take a rest, take a time out so we don't get distracted. And we take a time out in our lives and in the busy schedule of our lives, and our lives are very busy, to recenter our lives on what really matters. Because the gospel teaches us that Jesus stepped out of eternity to be bound to us. That Jesus took time out of his eternal heavenly home to be with us in our brokenness and in our weakness. To show us his love for us and our worth to him. That Jesus spent time hanging on the cross so that we can have an opportunity to have an eternal home with him. Jesus shows us the better way to live, to take time out in our life. That it's not about ourselves, but about living for God himself. A.W. Tozer says, and I'm paraphrasing, he says, no religion, no nation, no people has ever risen higher than its understanding and view of God. And basically what he's saying is, how, how big you understand God to be is, is how, how much you're going to get out of it. And if you understand God to be this infinite God who loves an undeserving people and gives them grace upon grace and love upon love, that doesn't forsake or leave you, and you can receive that, you can live in that grace and even move forward more than you can do than than you being the highest goal of your life. Think of any person, any team, any parent, any great story, any hero story. It's never been about that person living for themselves. It's always been about them or a team or a person living for something greater than themselves. 
And Jesus shows us that way. The end is not you. The end is in him and him alone. So I hope and pray that we as a people, as a friend, as a family, as a church, we could take the time out. And before we get wrapped up in this kind of riptide of commercial season, like I said, I'm not saying don't buy, pre- I'm not saying don't buy presents. Buy them, but do it for the right reasons. Buy them because you love them. And don't get distracted by the person who's opening up a credit line that day. Right. Don't, you know, but approach this season with wider eyes. Take a break and really enter the season really appreciating what the grace and the love that is found in Jesus and him alone. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you understand us and you understand our weakness, that we are so easily often distracted. And in our distraction, Lord, it leads us to self-pity, and in our self-pity leads us to resentment, and it leads us to blaming others and blaming you as in, well, why is this happening this way? But Lord, I pray that you would show us that, Lord, you loved us so much, Lord, that for the joy set before you, Lord, you endured the cross and its shame so that you could bring us into glory. Help us to take the time out in our lives and our busy schedules and all the responsibilities and problems and difficulties and just life that we have. Help us, Lord, to step back and remember, Lord, that for us, Lord, to live is to live for you, Lord. And we are most alive when we do and we live for you, Lord. I pray that you would meet every single person where they need to be met. I pray that you would give them rest with those who need rest, peace for those who need peace. And I pray that you would remind each and every one of us that you truly are Emmanuel, that you are with us and will always be with us in every, every circumstance and situation of our life. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your great care for us. You are a good father. Help us to embrace and help us to live in that grace. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen.